So we are in Deuteronomy chapter 15 and 16 today. Um, now, if you're following along with this series, and hopefully you are, uh, we realize that Deuteronomy can be broken down by looking at it through the lens of the Ten Commandments. So for the past couple weeks, we've looked at the first couple Ten Commandments through the lens of uh, the book of Deuteronomy. So we've looked at um, what it means to worship God, and we've looked at um, what it means to have no other gods before God. And we've looked at what holiness is. And today we're going to look at what Sabbath is. Remember the commandment that says you shall keep the Sabbath holy, right? Um, and so we don't understand what that means in today's culture. Um, we don't live in a culture that um, was this Sabbath was first spoken into. So we don't really understand what biblical Sabbath is. We think we do. Um, we try to live a, a, a Sabbath day, but we miss the point of Sabbath altogether. And I should be very transparent with you right now. I have understood Sabbath wrong my entire life, okay? And it wasn't until this week, as I submitted myself to these two chapters, that I realized I have been doing this wrong my entire life. With the best of intentions, I have misunderstood Sabbath. And now my brain, literally, I called a friend of mine, it's a, a pa hi, hi, Joe, who's a pastor in Palmer. Um, he watches, we watch each other's sermons. Um, and we were talking this through, and it's like my brain went, you know the emoji where the brain explodes? Like I felt that's what I lived this week as I submitted myself to these two chapters because Sabbath suddenly took on a completely different meaning. It was richer and more tangible and more exciting to me than I ever thought Sabbath could be because why is one day so exciting, right? Um, but it's, it's just, okay, so bear with me um, as we understand what biblical Sabbath actually is um, because I hope, I pray, and I've been praying this all week, that you guys would grasp what biblical Sabbath is. Not what Americanized Sabbath is, not what church culture tradition over the years has passed down what Sabbath is, because that's what I've been living in, right? I'm a pastor. I, I went to school to learn to teach the Bible. I have, with the best of intentions, tried to live my Sabbath day of rest, right? Um, but I have been trying to live in a system that was, with the best of intentions, created by men um, and passed down generation through generation so that I actually believed that Sabbath was one thing when really, biblically, it's another. Um, and I want us to wrestle with that together this morning because I think it is life-changing. Um, so before we begin, I'm going to pray that my words make sense to you guys um, and that everything that the Lord impressed upon me comes out in the right order um, and only what needs to come out comes out. Does that make sense? Yes. Because this is one of those messages where I'm like, oh, I... I experienced something because of God, and I want you guys to experience what I experienced, but if I get in the way, it's going to be a mess, okay? So I'm going to pray that I get out of the way and that Jesus is the forefront. Lord, I want your people to have the same kind of experience that I had with you this week, and so um, I pray that your words would come out of my mouth and that you would use the weird personality that you have given me to convey your truth to people. Um, and uh, that it would be exactly what people need to hear 
enlightening truth from your word, that we would peel back what culture says, and that we would peel back our preconceived notions, and that we would see you and your word as the authoritative light and guiding purpose for our life. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. All right. So uh, Deuteronomy, we're going to start in chapter 15, and we'll unpack 15 and 16 together. But I want to read the bulk of Deuteronomy 15 for you guys. And um, I know some of you guys are audible learners, so when you hear it, you absorb it. Some of you guys are visual learners. When you see it, you absorb it. Um, so I'm trying to cover my basis here as I'm going to read to you. So if you, if you learn by hearing, just close your eyes and focus on the words. If you learn by seeing, track it on the, on the screen with me. Um, if you're a visual learner, doodle the words that you hear, whatever you need to do to absorb these truths. Um, but Deuteronomy uh, chapter 15, um, starting in verse one, there we go. At the end of every seven years, speaking to the nation of Israel, you shall grant a release. And this is the manner of the release. Every creditor shall release what he has lent to his neighbor. He shall not exact it of his neighbor, his brother, because the Lord's release has been proclaimed. Of a foreigner you may exact it, but whatever of yours is with your brother, your hand shall release. There will be no poor among you. For the Lord will bless you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you for an inheritance to possess. For the Lord your God will bless you as he promised you. And you shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. And you shall rule over many nations, but they shall not rule over you. If among you one of your brothers should become poor in any of your towns within your land the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not harden your heart or shut your hand against your poor brother. But you shall open your hand to him and lend him sufficient for his need, whatever it may be. Take care lest there be an unworthy thought in your heart. And you say, the seventh year, the year of release is near. And your eye look grudgingly on your poor brother and you give him nothing. Then you cry out to the Lord against you and you be guilty of sin. You shall give to him freely and your heart shall not be grudging when you give to him because... For this the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and that all you undertake. For they will never cease to be poor in the land, therefore I command you, you shall open wide your hand to your brother, to the needy and to the poor in your land. If your brother, a Hebrew man or a Hebrew woman, is sold to you, he shall serve six years and in the seventh year you shall let him go free from you. And when you let him go free from you, you shall not let him go empty-handed. You shall furnish him liberally out of your flock, out of your threshing floor, and out of your wine press. As the Lord your God has blessed you, you shall give to him. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God redeemed you. Therefore, I command you this today. Hey, um, you probably are all going, what does that have to do with the Sabbath day, Pastor? How does slaves and giving them liberally on the seventh year and taking care of the poor people in town, what does that have to do with Sabbath rest? Now, as I studied chapter 15 and 16, um, I do something uh, that I was taught in uh, my undergraduate and graduate work, and I'm going to pass this on to you guys in case you don't do this. It's a good practice. When you read your Bible, have a pencil or pen or highlighter or whatever handy. Um, 
and underline or circle or whatever um, words or phrases that repeat in a chapter. Because when something is repeated, um, it's being emphasized for your benefit, okay? Now in chapter 15 and chapter 16, we saw, if you were looking for this, this is what I saw, a repeat of four things, okay? And these four qualities deal with Sabbath. First, it's restful. Um, if you read chapters 15 and 16, um, and, and I have this really cool digital Bible. I, uh, you won't be able to see it very well. Maybe you can. I don't know. But the digital Bible here, it's got the Bible on one side and a blank space on the other side. So that I can read and highlight and make notes and, you know, do all this. So I, I can very easily track some of these things. Um, and, and as I went through chapters 15 and chapter 16, I realized that... There are sections of rest that God talks about. There are sections of remembering that God talks about. Uh, there are sections of rejoicing that God talks about. And what we just read was a section on release. A whole chapter on release. Release people from their debts. Release people from their slavery. Um, release people from poverty. Um, release the wealth that God has given you out of your hands into the hands of somebody else. It's this idea of giving giving away something, releasing it from your possession. Um, and I really started to wonder, how does this play into the idea of Sabbath rest? Um, so let me ask you a question. If I could this morning, through God's word, show you the key to having a life of rest. You know that moment where you sit in your favorite recliner at the end of a long week or a long day? And you just breathe differently because suddenly you are not supporting your weight anymore, right? That perfectly cushioned space that is formed to your body, right? Because it's your chair and you go, oh, you know what I mean? If you don't have a chair like that, you really ought to find a chair like that, okay? Because it's so good, right? Um, you know that moment? You can have that spiritually for your entire life. And the answer is in today's passage. If I could impress that upon you today, would you want to take that up? Is that something that you guys would want to know that you could have a life of rest and to live that out? Is that, I mean, do I have a yes or no? Yes. Okay, yes, that's something that we desperately want. We want a life of rest because our world is not a world of rest, right? Um, and this is what God was speaking into the life of Israel. Um, see, they haven't yet entered the promised land. In fact, God reminds them, remember, right? This is one of the aspects of rest. You have to remember where you came from. You came from being slaves in Egypt. Um, there was no rest for you when you were in Egypt. You had to make bricks and it was hard work and you built monuments to false gods and you were never in charge of your life and you didn't get to know if you were gonna have food. And your family legacy was that if you had children, you had to look into the face of your infants and know that they were not going to have freedom. They were going to be slaves. Someone else was going to determine every moment of their life. And that was the life that you lived. God said, remember that because that's important. Remember where you came from. And now they are on the verge of entering the promised land. And God says, listen, throughout these 40 years, you have wandered and I have provided for you day by day. You've trusted me for this manna, right? This 
what is this on the ground? Let's eat it. Um, and this is what you have depended on day by day for me. But now you are about to enter a land flowing with milk and honey, right? A land that you can settle in. You've never been settled before as my people. I'm going to settle you somewhere, but with that settling is going to come a risk for you. Something you're going to have to fight against. When you settle, suddenly there will be land that you can harvest. Suddenly, where there was no economy, you will begin to develop an economy. You will have cattle and livestock in abundance. Some of you will have more land than others. Some of you will have better years than others. Some of you will get rich in this economy. Some of you won't. God says, when you enter this promised land, you're going to need to remember where you came from because as you become stable in this land and accumulate wealth and land and um, <coughs> livestock, you are going to have the potential to become what Egypt was. You are going to have the potential to become wealthy and fat and say, look at what I have done. And in doing so, you're going to enslave your neighbor to their debt. You're going to enslave your brother to their poverty. You're going to enslave God's people because you are wealthy and they are not. So God says, please remember where you came from. Even in this land flowing with milk and honey, do not set up practices that enslave people to poverty. Do not set up practices that enslave people to an economy that they cannot get out of. That's why this entire chapter was set aside to say, release those things. Release people from their servitude. Release people from their poverty. Release the money that you have gained that is extra. Release it back into the economy so that there are no poor among you. God does not design his people to live enslaved. So Sabbath quality, rest is dependent on remembering where we came from. We were once slaves. We don't want to go back to that. Rejoicing, right, that God has given us this freedom and living a life of release so that we do not cycle back to that kind of slavery that we were once in. Um, does that make sense so far? I'm kind of getting some head nods. Okay. Um, Sabbath continues in this idea that Sabbath is a lifestyle, not a day of the week. Here's, here's where I've gone wrong. Um, I was always taught to keep the Sabbath day holy, right? So it's Sunday. You set aside Sunday for the Lord. Sunday is the day where businesses should not be open, right? This is how I was you know, taught when I was younger. Sunday is the day where you don't work. Sunday is the day where you rest. It's the one day of the week because God created six days and on the seventh day he rested. And so if we are going to be biblical people, then we work ourselves to the bone to accumulate for six days. And then on the seventh day, we do absolutely nothing because we are so dog tired, right? That sometimes if we're honest, we're not even sure we want to go to church because it's our day of rest. Right? right? Is that what God has intended for his people? Is that the kind of rest that he has determined? We in American Christian culture have, have decided that Sabbath is working ourselves to the bone to get ahead of the rat race so that we can accumulate all that we can so that our rest can be when we retire. 
right? We work ourselves so hard so that we can play later. And I do not think that's what God has intended. So we give him some time on Sunday. Lord, this is the Sabbath hour where I come and worship you. But after church, I either have to work or I've got things that I need to take care of around the house. The trees need to be trimmed. The lawn needs to be mowed. The blah, 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 all the things. Is that a life of rest? Right? So what really is rest? Is rest actually physically sitting in a recliner with our eyes closed? I'm resting. I'm not doing, I'm not doing any work. Or is rest something more than what we are allowing ourselves to experience? Um, Sabbath is this lifestyle. It's, it's not a day of the week. And um, if you read in, in, in chapter 16, I'm going to flip there. I marked it with a piece of tissue paper this morning. Um, chapter 16 picks up where God left off to us when he says, listen, be a releasing kind of people. Don't be an accumulating kind of people. Don't accumulate slaves. Don't accumulate stuff. Don't accumulate money. In fact, here's a rhythm I want you to follow. And chapter 16 is this rhythm. He says, observe these things, meaning do these things regularly. And then all of chapter 16, he lays out the kinds of feasts that he wants his people to follow. Feasts are like parties or celebrations or community worship times. And, and God laid out the Feast of Weeks and the Feast of Booths and the sabbatical year, which was every seven years. And, and these things are designed around the culture that was agriculture. So God said, when you harvest, why don't you take some time, make that a celebration, rest from the hard work there. Why don't you take another season, and he listed, Feast of Weeks, Feast of Booth, you can read about them. These feasts and the rest times associated with them followed the pattern of the harvest cycle because that was how their culture was. Their culture was harvest cycle culture. You plant, you reap, you thresh, you put it in the granary, right? You do whatever you do with harvesty things, right? Um, and then you do it all over again next year. And then next year. And then next year. So God says, lest you get so caught up in this idea of work and accumulation and work and accumulation and work and accumulation, I'm going to command that at seasons in your year you stop and you remember who it is that actually makes the food grow out of the ground. And you remember who it is that has actually brought you out of Egypt. And you remember who it is that has actually provided you the land. And in fact, every seven years, you're not even going to work the land. On the seventh year, the, the sabbatical year of release, you're not going to sow anything into the ground. You're going to live off of the provision that I have blessed you with for the past six years. And the ground will grow food because I, the Lord, have made it so. And all of the food that grows in the ground that year can be gleaned by those that have not been able to produce enough for themselves. I, the Lord, will provide for my people, and you on the seventh year rest together as a community. 
The poor will get taken care of because God will take care of them. The seventh year is when Israel was commanded to release debts, right? To release slaves. That's what we read about in chapter 15. Every seven years, nobody had any debt. Think about that. What would happen in our culture as Christians, not Americans, as Christians? We forgave each other's debts. All kinds of debts. Physical debts, emotional debts, relational debts, tangible debts. You borrowed my lawnmower and never returned it? Keep it. It's okay. How would our culture look differently if we lived that life? God built it into their system so that it would be a regular reminder that Sabbath is a lifestyle. It's not a day that we set aside. It's an entire life that we are called to live. We are called to live a life of rest. Um, And it's not an independent thing either. Because let's just be very honest. Some of us think, I can't wait to be out of here because I want to go rest alone, right? How many of us, maybe you don't want to raise your hand, just want to get away from everybody for a little bit and have your rest, right? Because people can be loud and demanding. And if you really want to be honest with yourself and the Lord, sometimes Sabbath rest means getting away from the people of God, right? And the family, and the dogs, and the work, and the phone, and everything else, and hiding under a blanket, and pretending nobody else exists. That's not rest. That's escapism. And there is something drastically, you're not, you're not resting there, you're putting off, okay? Rest is different. Rest actually, according to scripture, is corporate. It's mind-blowing to me. You cannot experience the Sabbath rest that God is calling you to as God's people by yourself. If you read chapters 15 and 16, you begin to understand that your rest as God's people is corporate. My Sabbath rest is dependent on you living as God's people towards me. In, in the Israel economy, if I did not produce enough to sustain my family's needs and I was worried and stressed and working myself to the bone and not making ends meet, my rest depended on you being generous as God's people. If I was enslaved to you because I had a debt that I could not pay, my rest was dependent on you releasing me from that. But vice versa. Ten years down the road, you had a bad year, and you were working for me. Your rest, your family's rest, was dependent on my releasing you. Of my taking my seventh year of crop and saying, it's all yours. Of me saying, I know that you have been in servitude to me for whatever reason. But not only will I release you from that, but I will give you liberally from my wine press, from my flocks, and from my field. 
so that you can have a fresh start, so that you won't end up working outside of the bounds of rest for the next seven years. My Sabbath, spiritually, is dependent on being part of the community, not separate from the community of God. God says, I am not making Sabbath individuals. I am making a Sabbath community, a community that is held together by the identity that they live at rest, not in stress. It's what sets God's people apart from the rest of the world. We don't worry. We have rest. Circumstances can be challenging, right? We live in a world that is constantly go, 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 and do, do, do. But you can be a people of rest even amid the life that you live. And it looks like being intimately involved with the people of God. Sabbath is a corporate thing. And you cannot have rest alone. The thing is, Sabbath is a command. God says, observe the Sabbath. Not day, life. Observe, be a people of Sabbath rest. But you cannot enjoy that if slavery is still a part of your life. God took his people from Egypt where they were enslaved. He released them from slavery. Formed them in the wilderness to trust and rely on him for their provisions. Set them up in a place where they could grow and thrive and gave them guidelines to remember where they came from and not go back to it. To treat each other better than Egypt treated them. To be a different kind of nation. But you cannot live a Sabbath life if you are enslaved. And this is the key. This is what I asked at the beginning. If I could give you the key to a life of Sabbath rest, Would you want it? And you were like, yes. The key is really hard. Okay? And this is where some of you are going to go, I would like Sabbath rest, but I'm not willing to do what is required. You cannot have slavery as part of your life. And we don't live in the same kind of economy that Israel did. We enslave ourselves in different ways. We enslave ourselves, well, I mean, to finances and those kinds of things. So we have this weight that weighs on us financially in some places. I mean, average American debt, right? Um, Will we know that restful feeling while we still have 70, 100, $200,000 in debt over our head? Yes. The answer is yes. You can know rest despite your circumstances. Because rest is not dependent on your circumstances. Rest is dependent on the goodness of God. Right? Yes. 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 That's good news, right? Um, I think more dangerous than the financial predicament that Christians find themselves in as Americans. Because we've been sold this idea of the American dream. I think more difficult than that, more enslaving than that, is the emotional slavery that we have. Okay? And this is where it gets really hard. Um, 
If you have something against someone else, you are in slavery to that emotional weight. To be a people of Sabbath rest, you cannot live with that. You have to release fear, release guilt, release hurt, sometimes regularly, right? People in Israel had to do Sabbath feasts regularly to remember. Some of you may have to get up every single morning and pray a prayer that says, Lord, I want to know Sabbath rest in my life. I want to have a life of, oh, not, uh. Help me release today that which is enslaving me. But some of us don't want to do that. Because we like holding that grudge against someone because we think it gives us power over them. And it doesn't. It enslaves us. We think we're enslaving them by saying, if you will only do this, then we will be friends again. Or if you only live this way or do this or scratch my back, then it will be okay. But instead, what we are really doing is saying, I am chaining myself to you and we are both being slaves. Neither one of us will experience rest. That is not how God has called his people to live. God has said, release these things. To be a people of Sabbath rest means we live together in community, dependent on one another for forgiveness and joy and provision and meeting of needs. And only when we do that together will we truly know Sabbath rest. This community right here, these people that I, in the video, said, turn to your neighbor and say, hey, so glad to see you. These are the people that will help you live a life of Sabbath rest. You are dependent on the people in this community. It's one of the reasons that church membership is so important, because you know who you can depend on for Sabbath rest. You know who you can go to and say, I am having a really hard time with X, Y, or Z. Help me live in the rest that God has promised me. Um, in um, Matthew chapter 11, there's a heading in chapter, uh, chapter 12. It says this, Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath. Um, at the time, Jesus went through the grain fields on Sabbath. People were hungry. They plucked their heads of grain to eat. The Pharisees saw it and they said, your disciples are doing something that is not lawful on the Sabbath. Now, first off, nowhere in Deuteronomy did it say, on the seventh year when the poor people can eat from the field, they can't do it on any specific day. They're just going to eat when they're hungry because that's beneficial to them. I can just imagine Jesus rolling his eyes at the Pharisees. He said to them, have you not read that what David did when he was hungry and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God and ate the bread of the presence? It's not lawful for him to eat, nor for those who were with him, but only for the priests. Have you not read in the law how on the Sabbath the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are guiltless? He's saying, listen, your whole system that you've lived in is jacked up. I'm the one who gets to determine what Sabbath is. And I tell you, something greater than the temple is here. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. And he went on to talk about Sabbath. And he said, listen, I want to give you rest for your souls. 
So take my yoke upon you, because it's light, and I will give you rest. Jesus is saying, release everything that you have carried, give it to him, and then take upon you that which he has, which is light, rest. And then in the book of Hebrews, which we're going to study later on this year, chapter 3 talks about a rest for the people of God. And it continues in chapter 4. There's a lot of repeat verbiage in this. The promise of entering his rest stands. This is good news for us, right? Because we've not missed out on rest. We can attain the rest that he's telling us about. But we should fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. There's a potential that we could live a life without knowing the rest that God has designed for us. And we should strive for this rest. Good news came to us like it did to them, but some of us did not hear it. For we who have believed, we enter that rest. God rested on the seventh day. Therefore, it remains for some of us to enter rest. Some of us won't because of disobedience, because we hold on to that which God has commanded us to release. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. If Joshua has given them rest, God would not have spoken of a day that will come later. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. This is a communal striving. We must strive for the rest that God has given us. We must fight against that which culture says is beneficial and restful for us. And instead, adhere to what the word of God says, rest is communal. Rest is a release, not an accumulation. The more we accumulate, the more stress we feel in our life. Because the more we have to manage, the more we have to lose. God says, just have open hands. Let me worry about the provision. And instead, bind yourselves together with me and my people and live a life of rest. This is different than what I was taught about setting aside one day trying to find that hour or two that I can give to God that are restful. It was never about rest, what I was taught. It was about doing my duty. I was taught to be a Pharisee. I was taught to set aside a specific day at a specific time and give that to God and then live the rest of my life however the heck I pleased. And that is not how God has designed his people. You are the people of God. We read about it last week. A treasured possession of God for his glory. Implied in that is that we get the benefit of everything God's kingdom has to offer. And one of the first things that we know about God's kingdom is that he's given us rest. Scripture tells us if the son has set you free, then you are free, free indeed. And we know that the son of God has set us free because he died on the cross in our place for our sins. The thing that enslaved us, we have been freed from. Therefore, why do we go back to slavery time and time again? When we have been freed from that and called to live a life of freedom and rest. You are a Sabbath people. Not a once an hour, once a week kind of thing. Your entire life is to be defined by rest. And if you are not experiencing rest, 
then today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts because he wants to give you that rest today. So we're going to pray. The worship team's going to lead us. And we're going to experience rest as a community. Lord, um, I need rest. It's so funny that on the day that I get to preach about rest, uh, it seemed like there was so much turmoil as soon as the sun came up. And I thought, what the heck? And I thought, oh, no, no, that actually makes sense. That, 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 that makes sense to me. Everything I learned this week from Scripture, I was suddenly having to put to practice. That instead of me trying to fix all the things that were broken suddenly, I had to learn to rest in you and your provision and your wisdom and not to jump to reaction, but instead to rest. And I shouldn't have been surprised that you took care of all of those things because you are the God who made the heavens and the earth and you are the God who made me and you are the God that knows far more than I know about everything. And so why would I think that I have the answers and why would I stress myself out trying to fix something that I don't have any control over? Help me continue to be a person of rest. Help us to be a people of rest. That when we think we can pick something up and carry it on our own strength, that we would realize, Lord, no, let's release this back to you. Remember what you have freed us from and encourage other people to live in that freedom. Then and only then are we the strongest at rest. Bought by your grace to be a people of Sabbath, a community defined by rest. That makes us look different to the rest of the world because it is different than the rest of the world. And it's attractive to people who do not yet know it. One of the greatest tools you have given your people to be missional is to live a life of rest. Help us be that community for you, Father. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.